Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everybody and welcome on in. This is Tobin here with you live from my living room. Uh, We're going to do a little special edition of... Fighters Fury here as we got a big fight weekend coming up and a big boxing match. This is pretty cool. We, we you know, I would say uh, for our show, we love talking boxing, but um, I would say definitely the, the split is probably 70 30. Mixed martial arts getting the majority of our airtime, and it, it's a big fight weekend. There's been a lot of big fight news as far as the UFC is concerned, but this is uh, this is this is boxing's weekend for sure. This is a weekend where you got Gennady Golovkin taking on Daniel Jacobs, and we did uh, we did a lot of good coverage of that this week um, on the one to three show. Um, you can hear every day, every week with myself, Leroy, and Beast. Uh, but got the opportunity, thanks to the uh, fine people at HBO, to get some uh, some of their great analysts on. Got a chance to talk to Roy Jones Jr. about the the fight. Got a chance to talk to Max Kellerman about the fight. Got a chance to talk to Michael Buffer about the fight. Uh, so we'll bring those all to you here in the in the this little special edition podcast we're gonna do, um, and 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 they'll preview for you that that fight for tomorrow night. Um, we've also had a couple of things that, that have, uh, have come out uh, Friday night, recording this on Friday night, and that was uh, Mickey Conlon making his debut at Madison Square Garden, uh, the Irish Olympian who was uh, making his pro debut tonight, six-round debut, ended up getting the stoppage in the, in the third round. And one of the cool things about that was he actually had Conor McGregor with him there to walk him and escort him to the ring. And they did him up on the whole uh, Conlon, on the whole leprechaun thing. Conor's behind him in a fur coat, uh, bringing in the Irish flag. And you could pretty much, you could hear Conor yelling throughout the entire fight. So very cool night for the Irish uh, on St. Patrick's, St. Patrick's Day. Um, but the uh, one of the interesting things was that uh, Conor went on a little rant to reporters, this is courtesy of uh, this audio, courtesy of Fight Hub TV. I'm the boxing guy. I'm the boxing guy. Watch me take over boxing. Trust me on that. Boy, does not, not no one in this boxing game knows what's coming. Trust me on that. When I step in there, I'm gonna shock the whole goddamn world. Trust me on that. Look me in the eyes. 28 years of age, confident as a motherfucker, long, amazing, dangerous with every hand. Trust me. I'm gonna stop Floyd. You're all gonna win. You're gonna have. You're all gonna eat your wounds. The whole world is gonna eat their wounds. And yeah, man, Connor's very intense there. He, he he knows how to pick his spots. We haven't heard much from him since the Ariel Helwani thing, uh, that, that pay-per-view interview. Uh, it's been mostly Floyd talking. And, you know, we went on a rant uh, about that last week, about Floyd always playing the money card with these negotiations. This week we had uh, Dana White in an interesting wrinkle come out and say that uh, he's not going to stop this fight from happening. And I, I, I think that's that's not only smart by Dana, because I think the UFC will end up getting their brand on this, and, and this can be a great marketing tool for them. But um, 
But I, I think you eventually do want Connor to come back. And I think if this would have gone to a legal battle, that would have ended up with Connor never fighting in the UFC again. And I think you you absolutely need that if you're if you're Dana White. So uh, a smart move by by him to let him take this year off and essentially go and fight Floyd Mayweather. Um, and as you can hear, kind of very passionate there that he's going to knock Floyd out. And the, and the, and the big consensus is that's ridiculous that he, you know, you'll hear from the boxing experts uh, in this sh- in this uh, podcast from Roy Jones and Max Kellerman, if you didn't hear him on, uh, on my show this week. But, you know... Th- the, the the idea that 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 Connor is going to come in there and even be competitive is a bit surprising to a lot of people. Uh, physically, I, I don't I, I don't find that to be that crazy because physically, um, listen, Connor Connor's a guy. He's a seasoned fighter, um, and he's a lot bigger than Floyd. So I, I do think there's a couple things there. Floyd doesn't knock people out. His hands um, aren't very strong. And not only that, but the just the size dynamic of it. It just you're not talking about if you were to pick an MMA guy, if you were to go fight Mighty Mouse and they were on even playing field, I would say, yeah, give Floyd the chance to knock him out. But the fact that he's gonna go in there with the Conor McGregor, who's you know, five, nine and a half, cinder block head, giant dome on giant dome on Conor McGregor. Um, you know, hasn't hasn't been put on his butt. Uh, from strikes, um, certainly not from somebody his size. You know, you could say Nate touched him up a little bit, but for for the most part, Connor's got a really really strong chin, and the match the the only way you can see Floyd really stopping it if it's is if it's a cardio issue. If, if Connor is just too petered out getting in that ring and he can't go. Whatever it ends up being, ten to twelve rounds. I I think it's going to end up being ten. Um, you know, Connor's been twenty five minutes. I guess if you break down the math of it, that's thirty minutes. Uh, obviously, in different increments, but I, I think that's more logical than this being a twelve round fight. But you know, this is this is an interesting. Um, this is a whole interesting project that's going on here with fans in general with the media the media wants to see this uh i I think a lot of mixed martial arts fans want to see this i think if you're a mixed martial arts fan first you definitely want to see this um i i I get hesitation from the people who are boxing fans first i'm as even as it gets when it comes to those two things i was always i always considered myself a boxing guy but um you know because of this show because of fighters fury uh i've i've dove really uh, right into mixed martial arts and and now i love them both like it's you you can't separate the two from me i I just love watching all of it um which makes me want to see this because i want to see what this eventually turns into what is the spectacle going to be with this uh is there a chance that connor does do this i and i don't think you can look at it and say there's no chance that he can beat floyd uh connor's got a powerful left hand he and he he is not a uh, he's a very technical striker and a very accurate striker and a very fast striker. Connor is not a he's not a who's a guy he, he he's not of the ilk of a, a Robbie Lawler for example who is you know going to swing wild bombs from the hip 
that's not that's not who's stepping into the ring of Floyd. Connor is a very very uh, beautiful striker as far as uh, his hands are concerned. Um, but the kicks are a big part of that, so that is a big weapon they're taking away from him. So, you know, I'm not I'm not here saying that uh, I I think Connor's going to win a boxing match against Floyd Mayweather, uh, but I don't think it's crazy he could win a fight against Floyd Mayweather. I don't think that you know people saying zero percent. It's not zero percent that he could uh, beat Floyd Mayweather. You know, if I have to put a percentage on it. Uh, I would say, you know, whatever, who cares if I said 25%, does that matter? I think there's a, he's, uh, he's got that opportunity. I would say he's probably got a window of about three rounds, probably more like two. Let's just say first round in this fight is most likely going to be quiet, right? Everybody steps into these big fights, whether it's two boxers, whether it's two MMA fighters. Uh, and a lot of the times it ends up being a real fill me out process. Uh, that second round with Floyd, I think, is critical critical for Connor because he still won't quite have the whole picture yet. And so, that being the case, once that window kind of passes, I think Floyd has you figured out. There's there's very few guys who he hasn't. You know, of recent memory, Marcos Maidana. Cotto had a little bit of a run going against him. Um, that's that. That's kind of the list. You know, Manny got like one punch on him. Shane Mosley got like one punch on him. Um, but I think the list of guys who actually stood in there and competed with Floyd and didn't make it look so lopsided, you'd go Cotto and you'd go Maidana. And, you know, Guys who are ferocious when they're up against the ropes. You know, Floyd does a lot of waiting out there. Uh, he does a lot of defending there. Uh, but he's not as he's not as slick as he was. He's not as fast as he was. Which is why, you know, the the the, the June sixth date is interesting, uh, or the June tenth date is interesting because you know, Connor's initial thoughts that this uh when asked when he thought this would take place would be end of the year beginning of 2018 and if the rumors are true that this fight's going to be in June well then you know that's less time for Connor to get ready for it that's less time to train we know that he uh he's his fiance has got a kid on the way so he's got some personal things that he's got uh weighing on his mind as well um you know, Floyd is Floyd. No matter what he says, no matter how confident he is, he has he has a clock running on his uh, his body and and what he can put it through. And so, I imagine the younger he's able to do, the younger he's able to be in that ring to do this, the better for him. So that's why I think that's come out. Uh, now shifting over to tomorrow night, and we'll and we'll hear from our guests, and and we'll get heavy into this bout. Gennady Golovkin, Daniel Jacobs. Um, you know this. This to me is, you know, it's a real opportunity for Triple G to keep the the momentum going. A, a lot of eyes are on him every time he steps in there. People question against Cal Brook, even thinking he looked a little bit vulnerable. You know, is, is when you have that kind of a streak going that Triple G does, um, 
you you want to keep it. You want to keep that going. Obviously, the interesting thing though is, would it be better for his career if he actually went the distance with Daniel Jacobs, and showed a little bit of vulnerability, and, and showed maybe a chink in the armor, and that would entice a guy like Canelo Alvarez. Because make no mistake, you know, I, I would say. Canelo versus Triple G, unless you were to put Floyd against Triple G, that obviously would be bigger. But let's just say that's off the table. So Canelo versus Triple G. Um, you know, I think that for that to happen, Gennetti is going to need to show, eh, yeah, there's a little bit of a window there. He's the bigger man. Um, Canelo's the bigger star. He's got much more to lose in that regard. And so I think showing that, okay, I'm not going to mow through everybody will be, uh, would be beneficial to him. Uh, but it still has to be an exciting fight. It can't be like a terrible poo-poo platter fight. It has to be a good fight going the distance, showing some vulnerability. And I think that would entice Canelo to, uh, to step into the ring with him. Um, but, as far as, but as far as those two squaring off and, and making it happen, um, you know, the last super fight we had was was obviously Floyd versus Manny Pacquiao. And there was there was virtually no interest from Floyd when 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 Manny was knocking fools out. When he was plowing through weight classes and divisions, you know, Floyd had no interest in that fight. We didn't really get any interest from Floyd until Manny lost. When Manny lost, when 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 Juan, when Juan Manuel Marquez knocked him out the way he did. Um, that's when I think the interest really sparked up for Floyd, that this guy wasn't going to be dangerous anymore. This guy wasn't a threat to my record. And, you know, we got the fight that we did. We got the, 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 uh, mediocre at best quote unquote super fight. And if you would have gotten those two at the peak of their powers, I think it would have been a much better contest. Um, I just think, I think many, Mentally was in a different place. If you would have gotten Manny right after he destroyed Miguel Cotto and they would have fought Floyd Mayweather, I think you would have gotten a Manny who is still on edge, a Manny who was a destroyer, um, a Manny who just didn't give a bleep. And, you know, when Manny found when Manny found God, when Manny became very kind and and maybe and maybe also uh, got off the juice. Who knows? I mean, that's that speculation's been out there for years. The power just hasn't been there from a from a stopping people's standpoint. Now, I, I do I do argue that with people like you know Manny's had a lot of knockdowns in that in that time too. So let's not act like he's got nothing left in those hands. He does. It's just the idea that he's going to go in there and butcher your face and and, and beat you to a pulp. That guy's not there anymore. I don't think that's. I don't think that's in Manny Pacquiao anymore. I just think he's too nice a guy. I, I just think he doesn't want to do that to people anymore. Uh, but that that surprise, banging left pat, left hand power that I think is still there. Uh, so it didn't completely go away. But I, I think a mix of physical traits, uh, mentality, age, all that stuff played in that fight not being as good. And I think with this Canelo Triple G fight. You know, 
I want to see these guys at the peak of their powers. I want to see Canelo still knocking fools out. He comes in, he walk, and he and he, he walks through Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. and and if Canelo walks through Daniel Jacobs, you, you know, don't make this crazy. Don't over don't uh, overcomplicate it. Make those two fight. So we'll see what the case is this weekend, man. I like Gennady over Daniel Jacobs. Uh, I do think this is one of his toughest fights, though. Daniel Jacobs is no joke. He's uh, he's he's you know, he made a bounce back from bone cancer and is on a 12-fight knockout streak. So that guy's no joke. Anyway, let's get into some of our guests, man. We had uh, some great guests this week. Uh, we'll start off with the, the great Roy Jones Jr., one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world, as he gives us his thoughts on Daniel Jacobs, Gennady Golovkin. Joins Roy, is this really uh, Triple G's toughest test yet? Yes, it m- most definitely. Uh, you're fighting the Miracle Man. Anytime you find somebody named the Miracle Man, <laughs> it's definitely a tough test. So you already know there's got to be his toughest test to date. That was wild, man. Triple G's last fight against Kell Brook. I thought Kell Brook gave him a good a good scrap, but they as soon as they knew that he was injured, his his corner was not going to let him in there and get him hurt. What what makes this guy so dynamic as a power puncher? Well, he's such a great power puncher. That's what makes him so dynamic. Not only that, he's a relentless power puncher. So it's like you got to rem- remember the old days of Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was so deadly because not only was he a power puncher, but he was a relentless power puncher. They didn't stop till he got to your jaw and find out what you could take. And that's the same with Triple G is. Roy, in a lot of these situations, everybody's thinking a power puncher's got to hit you in the head. But these guys no. hit everywhere. Mike Tyson used to hit that arm. That's exactly right. It don't matter where they hit you. The punches are powerful, so they can hit you in the arm, in the back, in the side. It don't matter. You know where they hit you at, it's going to cause damage. But, like you say, Danny Jacobs is the miracle man. He has come through some things, some obstacles that most people would not have been able to even live through. And to be able to knock Peter Quillen out of one round, he got to be a pretty good punch to his dog on himself. So we'll see what happens. Roy, you you were you were dominating guys for so many years, and it was it was almost tough for you to get fights. You had to change divisions to go get fights and, and get competition. Is Triple G facing a little bit of that? Like he's almost a victim of his own success. He's too good that he can't maybe necessarily get the the super big payday fights. Of course, he is a victim of the same thing. Um, the only thing is, if he sits around long enough, somebody will come along that would be you know a good fight for him. I hope, and that's why he's trying to go up or down and try to face Canelo even. But at the same time, yes. I was a victim of that, and when I tried to insinuate that, his coach took it the wrong way and said, you know, Roy this, Roy that, Roy that. Well, first of all, I wasn't saying anything bad about Triple G. I was strictly trying to insinuate that, look, sometimes you can't find action in your weight class to get a payday and to get action, you've got to move up in weight class. And saying that, his coach took so much offense to it, I'm like, wow, really? Is it that serious with you? Are you really – did I touch a nerve? Are you actually – not wanting your fighter to go up and do that, what the problem is. So he want, he made me start to worry a little bit about that because I always thought Triple G is a guy who willing to fight anybody, whether it's up in weight or down in weight. But when I said something about fighting the one of Andre Ward and Golovkin, I mean, and um, um, what his name was, Andre Ward and Kovalev, mm-hmm. his trainer started immediately attacking me and my legacy. And come on, dude, you can't really attack me. I did that. I ain't telling you to do something that I didn't do. So for me to say go up one weight class is not out of this world because I went up four, five. So what difference does it make? But, you know, hey, that's just me. We're talking to the great Roy Jones Jr. He's on the call this week on HBO Pay-Per-View, Golovkin versus Jacobs. Now, Roy, I want to ask about you a little bit, man. You've been in the the news with this. uh, You were at UFC headquarters uh, a little bit over a week ago. What's going on there, man? Uh, Give us the scoop. Are you going to get this fight with Anderson Silva? What's going on over there? 
Oh, no, no, nothing going on with me. I was there for something else. I really wasn't there to talk about the Anderson Silva fight. That's what people uh, fail to realize. I mean, I, really, I wasn't there to talk about that fight in particular. I was there to talk about something else with them. And at the same time, I also understand that their argument, which is their argument in this situation with the Conor McGregor Mayweather situation, which you have to understand, they developed Conor McGregor. It's not fair for them not to receive uh, their share of their side of that situation if that event goes down because without them developing Conor McGregor, we wouldn't be having an opponent for Floyd Miller to fight that would generate as much money as that fight could generate. So I do understand the UFC's part totally in that situation and why they are having a hard time making that fight because they're saying that, hey, we created you an opponent. Why should we just give you our opponent or give you somebody, the guy that we made, and we don't get nothing from it? That's not fair for us. Do you, so I totally understand. Do, you, do you still want to do that Anderson Silva fight? That feels like that's been rumored about you guys for a while. Well, it has been rumored for a while, and I don't know that, you know, he can get out of his contract or, or, or make an agreement with them to make that happen. So I don't know how that's going to go. I would do it if he got free, of course. But, I mean, they say they got other things paying for him, so, you know, you just have to sit back and wait and see what happens. I am 48. I don't have a lot of time to wait, and so that's why I'm not really waiting on it. If it happens, okay, cool. I never ducked a fight of no kind from nobody. But at the same time, I don't have a lot, a lot of time left that I'm going to spend in boxing. So if they want to do something like that, they would need to go ahead and push the envelope and start making it happen. They can't sit around and keep waiting because I'm pushing 50. I ain't going to keep on doing it and keep on going until I get too old to have a chance to win it. Then do it. That's crazy. You feel me? So if they're going to do it, we should do it soon. And I did mention that to them too, but they said they had other plans for us, so I left it alone. Let me ask you something, Roy. Uh, if I gave you the choice, Triple G wins this week, he beats Danny Jacobs. Uh, you, you get a chance. We we get to see Triple G versus Canelo, or do you want to see McGregor versus Mayweather? Well, as a speaking boxing wise, I want to see Triple G versus Canelo. And actually, I ain't gonna say that much. I want to see Triple G versus the winner of Canelo versus Chavez Jr. Because I'm not counting Chavez Jr. out either. You understand me? So I want to see Triple G versus the winner of that first. Now, event-wise, if I was a guy that wanted to go hang out and be where everybody is and be where what's happening is at and be a witness of a great event that's going to do astronomical amount of pay-per-view sales, then I want to go watch McGregor Mayweather. But I'm not watching that for the fight. I'm watching that for the event. If I want to see a fight, I want to see Triple G fight the winner of this Chavez Alvarez fight. Well, everybody thinks that that Floyd would, would handle Connor because it's his sport. I mean, it's 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 logical to think that. What do you think, though, Floyd, of him him moving to fifty and zero? That's a that's a big historical number that he'd have. But he'd do it against a guy that that wasn't a boxer. So you just explained to yourself how what I think about it. You did it against a non-boxer. What does you what do you think about it? I think I think you just you asked your own question. You're exactly right. We can't really we don't take that as real because you're not even fighting a boxer for it. I mean you you do get credit for it, but I mean come on, man, really? I understand. Roy, but, that, Roy, but that's how but that's how he made it but that's how he made he made people pay him for that. So why not? You know? That's what he been people been paying him to do that the whole time. So why would he change? He made more money than anybody ever made in the history of boxing. How could you fault him for that? We're talking to Roy Jones. You guys can catch him HBO pay-per-view this upcoming weekend. Gennady Golovkin takes on Daniel Jacobs. Uh, Roy will be on the call with Jim Lampley and Max Kellerman. Roy, one more before we get you out of here, man. Uh, your, your promotions, are you are you going to be in on this uh, this Shannon Briggs-Fresa Kendo fight? When are we getting that thing? I hope we get that very soon. I'm trying my best to make it happen as quickly as possible. Is it going to happen down here in uh, South Florida, you think? Uh, I hope so. I'm trying to make it happen down there. I sure hope so. All right, Roy. Thanks for the time, man. Thanks, really appreciate Roy. it. Enjoy All the call right. this weekend. Thank you, guys. Okay. All right. That's Roy Jones Jr. He really did chase everybody. Though. It's it's pretty amazing because I will say this till my end of days. 
Roy Jones Jr. was Floyd Mayweather in his prime. He couldn't find anybody to box him. Mm -hmm. So he moved up to get the payday, ended up winning the heavyweight championship. Yep. And then it just, it was overwhelming. He kept moving around, moving around. He would fight anybody, anywhere, and it caught up to him. And I think a lot of people lose how great Roy Jones Jr. was simply because he has a lot of losses. Yeah, absolutely. But but you got to respect the challenge that he put forth on himself. Because uh, Floyd, Floyd would, uh, you know, Floyd's always been looked at as a guy who's calculated, not calculated about going to heavyweight. Right. That's hard. And that's what four four weight classes higher than when he started. Yep. Now it happens because um, Evander Holyfield ended up moving up uh, two weight classes, right? Yes. So, yeah, it happens, but four weight classes is tough. Thanks uh, thanks to Roy for for making time for us this weekend. Yeah, like uh, like Leroy was saying in that segment, um, yeah, Gennady and Roy have, uh, have, have had a little bit of a crossing of uh, the same problem. So that's a, it's an interesting perspective to hear from Roy on that. Also interesting to say, uh, a little bit of saltiness there, I think, with uh, with the idea of Floyd getting to that 50-0 mark against a mixed martial arts fighter. And I think, that's a, I think that's a common unspoken theme right now in the box community. We'll hear more of that after it happens, I think. Um, but... Yeah, just wondering about the idea that Floyd is going to get to 50-0 and and he's going to do it against a guy who doesn't box. Uh, I don't understand how that wouldn't bother um, former boxers and historians. Uh, we'll move on. Max Kellerman uh, of First Take fame. Skip Bayless' replacement on First Take. He is also he was also Larry Merchant's replacement on the HBO broadcast. Uh, permanently with Jim Lampley and Roy Jones Jr. Uh, Max always has great thoughts on boxing, and so got a chance to dive into Triple G versus Daniel Jacobs with him. Where does uh, where does Daniel Jacobs' uh, comeback rank? Coming back, his story coming back from bone cancer to continue his career. You, I mean, you've heard a lot of stories in the sport. Where does that one go up for you? I don't know if I, I like. I say there there are so many incredible stories in boxing. It's a great story. Uh, Daniel Jacobs was a dominant uh, New York Golden Gloves fighter. I've been watching him since he was an amateur in the Golden Gloves. He was the dominant guy of his era. And he had a bright future and turned pro, was fighting for a belt, and uh, and really did all the right things and was beating Dmitry Pirog when he was knocked out. And Pirog was a tremendous fighter and probably by the people in the know considered the guy who may might have one day given Triple G his stiffest test. Pirog had a back uh, problem with, with slip discs and everything and wound up retiring. Uh, that's Jacob's only loss. Then from there, you know, he battles cancer, wins, and, and you know, uh, hasn't lost since the Pirog, but it's his only loss. Won't get a chance to avenge it because of Pirog's status, but has become a better fighter since the loss, has made improvements, and uh, is a good puncher, especially early in the fight, a good boxer, and a real good guy. So an easy fighter to root for. What's better for Gennady this this upcoming weekend? Because he, it almost seems like I was I was talking to Roy Jones this weekend and, and and comparing their careers. He's almost a victim of being too good. He's like it's it, this uh, this run that he's on. It's tough to get opponents if they feel like they're they're taking on a real challenge they can't beat. So is it is it better for him to just maul a guy like Daniel Jacobs, or is it better for him to? show some vulnerabilities and, and maybe go the distance? What works better for him in the long run for his career? 
No, he, I guess just keep doing what he's doing, which is just destroying everybody. I, I would des- I describe Triple G as the best guarantee uh, bang for your entertainment buck. You know, he's an aggressive knockout artist who can box at a very high level, obviously, as a silver medalist and a, and a, and a gold medalist in the, in the world championships and a dominant international amateur, five losses in hundreds of amateur fights. Uh, and and uh, as a pro undefeated almost all by knockout, you, how many times have we seen really aggressive knockout artists, even Mike Tyson in his prime, um, be stymied, they're often stymied by a fighter who's intent on survival. Right? That happens. If the other guy just doesn't want to engage, usually the aggressive guy's offense can be stymied enough you don't get a great fight. When Tyson fought like Bone Crusher Smith, for example, and just got held the whole night. Because very few offensive knockout machines like Triple G know how to make the other guy fight. But Triple G does. He knows how to cut off the ring. He's surgical behind his jab. He, you watch a Triple G fight, you are guaranteed to see um, you know, destructive force behind punches that land. And though his fights have been one-sided because the elite haven't gotten in with him yet, they don't want to apparently, um, they're always entertaining. So this weekend should be no different. Best bang for your entertainment buck. In entertainment, by the way, forget sports. I don't know a, a, a better guarantee that you will be entertained than a Triple G fight. Well, not only that, we're talking to Max Kellerman. He's going to be in the call. HBO pay-per-view, Golovkin versus Jacobs. Middleweight madness. You guys don't want to miss it this upcoming weekend. Uh, not only that, but it's it's it's, uh, it's almost rare in boxing these days. You're getting a pay-per-view card, and you also get Chocolatito Gonzalez, a guy of his ilk, on the card. Um can you best describe the, the, this this guy to maybe somebody who hasn't watched him yet? Because it seems like he's he's a, he's a small fighter, but he does everything perfectly. Well, yeah, and, and he may be getting a little longer the tooth, considered the considering the weight division. Usually, the tiny guys age a little quicker than the heavier guys for whatever reason. Maybe because the volume of punches they throw and land, and also get you know are uh, you know are landed on, but maybe or you know absorbed. Maybe that hastens their demise. Maybe it's something to do with the, the you know, physiology of smaller, uh, who knows, of smaller guys. I don't know. But they do seem to age more quickly. Uh, and he's already at that age and that stage, considering the weight divisions he's moved up through and the way he's looked recently, where he looks more vulnerable now than he used to. It's not just Chocolatito on the card, by the way. The guy who is, I'd say, more responsible than any for that feeling about Chocolatito maybe not having a ton more fights in his prime, is Quadras, and he's on the undercard. So, so um, you know, you get to see some special lighter division fighters. Max, I, 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 uh, you're doing a great job on first take. Uh, you've done great since taking over. Uh, I, you guys had Floyd Mayweather on pretty recently, and he really, on your show, uh, let it be known he was interested in the Conor McGregor thing. And I kind of gauged from when you were talking to him, to, you, you still wanted to see Floyd against some of the young welterweights, a Keith Thurman, a Danny Garcia. Are you disappointed that he's going this route to go after a guy who hasn't boxed and that elusive 50-0 and is going to be at the end of it and it's not against a boxer? No, I, Thurman and Garcia don't interest me a ton watching them fight Floyd because I think they're both good, but neither is a special you know, pound-for-pound pound type talent. Uh, I do think that Errol Spence has the chance to be. And if Spence beats Kell Brook, who to me is like right on that borderline, Kell Brook is he a pound-for-pound kind of guy or is he just a cutoff? Is he the gatekeeper to that? Um, He moved up and fought Triple G and and got run over, although he landed a bunch of punches, uh, 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 Kell Brook did. 
but ultimately gave in in a way that a, a, a truly great fighter like, say, Evander Holyfield, it would be hard to imagine him, you know, kind of giving in to the bigger guy that early in the fight. Although, I, you know, I would never put myself in Kell Brook's shoes. He was taking a frightful beating at the time of the stoppage. Point is, unless you are preternaturally gifted, you know, with speed and power and everything, and Kelbrook isn't quite, that in order to be a truly great fighter, you have to be willing to do things that rational people don't. That said, I would love to see the winner of Brooke and Errol Spence fight Floyd Mayweather if Floyd wants to fight again. Because that, the winner of that fight to me is special in a way the winner of Thurman Garcia is not, just in terms of their talent and skill. Um, Terrence Crawford, someone like that. If Floyd wanted to move up and fight Triple G, though, I don't think there'd be any pressure, there should be any pressure on him to do that because he's already moved up from 130 pounds. At a certain point, the other guy's just too big. You know, but to fight a real fighter who has a chance to beat him, that's an interesting fight. Not a guy where it's a carnival. And I don't care if Conor McGregor is the most naturally gifted boxer who ever lived. The odds of beating him beating Floyd are zero, considering his experience in a boxing ring. So, you know, why are we watching the fight? Because it's spectacle. You know, the odds of Floyd beating Conor McGregor in an, in an octagon are zero. And there is no way to split the difference. You can't fight him in a hexagon with, like, mixed rules. So if it's in a boxing ring, you know Conor McGregor has no shot. And if it's in an octagon, you know Floyd has no shot because Floyd has the financial clout. In fact, it's Conor who has no shot. I got one minute before I got to get you out of here, Max. So uh, if, if Triple G wins and assuming Canelo wins in May, will they face each other off? Will, that, will they be the, each other's next fight? I mean, if they don't, it's because Golden Boy is ducking Triple G. If that fight doesn't happen, that means Golden Boy is ducking Triple G. Oh, yeah, has been on record saying he will make that fight happen. And, you know, it's an, e- it's an easy thing for a promoter to get out of. They just make an offer that, oh, the other side's not going to take it. They say, I tried, and they get out of it. But that will be transparent if it happens. And even though Canelo is the golden goose at Golden Boy, uh, I think that, DNA of Oscar De La Hoya is that he fought everybody. You know, when he gained control of his own career, he fought everybody. And I would think as a promoter, eventually that'll be the same because in Canelo, he has a fighter who's willing to fight everybody. So you got to hope, and I suspect we do see that fight by the end of this year. Thank you, Max. Take care. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Max Kellerman for making that one happen for us and making time for us. Um, and finally, we got to talk to uh, one of the legendary voices of boxing, a guy who's you could say you could say probably is the top five most famous figures active in boxing right now. And that's Michael Buffer. Michael Buffer is uh has has seen it all, done it all, and he's just got a cachet about him, man. Like I'm telling you, I got to meet uh Michael Buffer when Shannon had his fight down here at the Hard Rock in September of twenty fifteen. And I was at Shannon's presser and Michael Buffer walks in. I'm just like, Oh my god. Like and I've I've really been fortunate, um, especially over these last few years, to meet a lot of cool people. Meeting Roy Jones, uh, you know, having uh, having a professional relationship with uh, with Shannon, covering him, covering the guys at the heavyweight factory, and to see guys like Riddick Bowe and uh, Vander Holyfield. Um, you know, many times speaking with Lennox Lewis to come on the morning show. Um, so all very cool, but I would say. The, the real time I've been in awe 
in Boston. I was like, whoa, that's Michael bleeping buffer. Because he's just so put together. He's so damn professional. Uh, maybe there's a broadcaster element to it. And I know that we have different jobs. But even still, like he's prepared. He says he says things correctly. Um, he's old school. Like there's just an element of Michael Buffer that you have to respect, um, but are also like giddy about it because Michael Buffer is always like the signal to, all right, the major fight is happening right now. So very cool. I enjoyed getting to talk to him, Michael. Thank you for the time. Really appreciate it. I'm good to talk to you. Thank you. Is uh, where, where does Madison Square Garden rank among the the places you get to uh, you get to announce? Uh, right at the top. I mean, if there's anything closer, uh, you got to figure the O2 in London is pretty exciting. The fans really are uh, vocal and supportive, but there's just something magic, uh, magical about Madison Square Garden on a sold out fight night. It's it's just uh, legendary, you know, because you think of all the, the great fights that have happened there in the past. Do you do you still do a lot? Do you do a lot of reminiscing when when it comes to Saturday night and you get to the building? Are you doing a lot of thinking of the times you've been there before, or is it kind of like old hat? Is it routine to you at this point? Uh, you know, a little bit of both. I, I mean, you know, I've been doing it for a while, and uh, it's still nostalgic. I, I, I love the new configuration of uh, the garden, the seats, uh, the the high-tech uh, screen up above, so it's, it's become more fan-friendly for the guys that are in the nosebleed seats to uh, make sure they never miss any of the action, which is uh, just part of modern sports today when you go to a, you know, a field like the Cowboys Stadium or, or Madison Square Garden or these high-tech um, you know, stadiums and arenas. Michael, I'm curious, what keeps you going? It seems like you have the same passion you've always had. And, and you know, and, and Brendan just mentioned the events. And, you know, I know everyone is different and takes on its own kind of personality and distinct feel. But when you get there, you still have the same feeling you've always gotten when you get to a big event? Yeah, because the bottom line is I'm still a fan. I mean, I really, I, I love what I do. But at the same time, I just love being there. I mean, sometimes... It's so exciting to know that, you know, I, I get to introduce the fighters, but I get to sit down and watch the fight and, and really enjoy it. We're speaking with Michael Buffer here on 790 The Ticket. You guys can catch Golovkin versus Jacobs this Saturday night on pay-per-view. You guys definitely don't want to miss this. Uh, Mike, what, 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 is your what is your interaction with the fighters? Because, I mean, you, you walk around now in the sport of boxing with almost a more famous name than a lot of the guys who step in that ring, and i got to imagine a lot of them walk in and they meet you for the first time they got to be in awe that oh, i'm going to be introduced by the voice of boxing so how much interaction do you have with these guys before you get to say their name before a main event i you know uh, sometimes you build up a relationship through the years um i've been doing all the klitschko fights for a dozen years uh i did almost every oscar de la Hoya fight i managed to introduce sugar ray leonard and uh, his his comeback after, you know, he came back and fought Hagler and, and the half dozen or so fights he had after that. And uh, I've built up friendships and relationships. And sometimes you do have a, a moment where the, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat because you love both guys. I mean, I remember, um, for example, and it goes back a ways, but uh, George Foreman in his second career as a Muhammad Ali fan, 
and a true fan. I hated George Foreman because I was an Ali guy. This was before I was in the business. And then when he made, you know, I, I somehow I became a ring announcer, and here I am introducing George Foreman in this second comeback in the 1990s. And the second coming of George Foreman is this wonderful, lovable uh, gentleman and guy that I love to be around. And here he is fighting Michael Moore, who I knew since he was 19 years old and almost did almost every fight that he had. And I knew his family and his mom and all that. And he knocks out Michael in the 10th round and becomes heavyweight champion of the world at the age of 45. And I've got tears in my eyes because I'm happy for George. And I just have this horrible feeling in my gut because this, this young man that I've known for his whole career, uh, you know, just got knocked out at defending his heavyweight title for the first time. So you, it's, it's a win and lose situation, but you got to be a fan. And, uh, you know, we've got this fight tomorrow night. Uh, I've gotten to know Danny Jacobs a little bit more, and this is really, really a nice guy who battled cancer and was told a few years back that he'd be lucky to walk again because he had cancer in his spinal cord. And, you know, it's just it's an amazing story. That's why he, he's changed his nickname to the Miracle Man. And he's got this, he's articulate, he's uh, personable, he's well-spoken, and just uh, nice to be around. And at the same time, I've done all of Gennady's fights for the last uh, six years, and, and I'm friends with him and his wife and his, his son, <laughs> you know, the same thing. So it's going to be, uh, you know, a little bit of a heavy heartbeat for me. But I, I, I got to say, I'm a pretty big Triple G fan, and uh, you know, I, I think he's got the edge here. But I wouldn't be shocked if uh, there's an upset because uh, Jacobs is one hell of a middleweight. What well, in your time, Mike? What do you what do you, what do you think is the thing that I guess is the X factor? for making a guy a mega star in boxing because Gennady Golovkin, he's doing it all in the ring and he seemingly, he seemingly is doing his part. Um, but I, I always wonder like why, why, why isn't a guy like Gennady Golovkin drawing the way a guy like a Floyd Mayweather does? Because what they do talent wise, it, it's almost on, it's on, it's on equal footing. It's on equal level. Yeah. They're just as beautiful to watch on fight night. Um, so just your time seeing, Boxer after boxer, what do you think it is that really captivates the fans, that, that makes you go from a big star like Gennady is to, I guess, a mega, mega star like Floyd is? Yeah, I, you know, there, there was the, just the way things evolved with Floyd. Uh, you know, he went from being a, uh, a junior lightweight champ to a lightweight champ to a, a super lightweight, then uh, a welterweight champion, and... and, and that created a, a lot of buzz. Everything was on TV. Was, he had the right opponents at the right time. Ricky Hatton, Oscar De La Hoya, and uh, stars fighting stars uh, make you, uh, you know, a bigger star. And especially, of course, because you win. And Gennady has had a situation where, uh, you know, once everybody realized he's just going to knock you out, nobody wanted to fight him. I mean, he really has struggled to get opponents. I mean, look at the situation with Canelo. Uh, Canelo was the, um, uh, first of all, he had Cotto, uh, had the WBC title, and then, uh, you know, it was mandatory for him to fight uh, the number one contender that Gennady had put himself into with the WBC, even though Gennady had these other world title ships. And, and then they said, okay, we'll go ahead and fight Canelo, 
and then uh, and Canelo promised, "Well, I'll fight you if I win this." And then he didn't. Then he gave up his title, and so he just keeps missing that little edge that that would give you a superstar that Mayweather had because guys wouldn't fight him. And now it's been what two, three years, and Canelo even. I mean, for a Mexican fighter to give up the green strap, the WBC title, which is like every young Mexican fighter dreams of having the WBC title, that's really, uh, there's a big reason there, and it's not just financial. It's like, I don't want to fight this guy. He'll knock my head off. Maybe I can, Maybe if he gets older, I got a better chance. Michael, thank you for the time. We're looking forward to the fights this weekend. I can't wait. It's, uh, it's going to be a pretty fantastic card. You got Chocolatito on the card as well. Uh, so we look forward to hearing your call. We look forward to hearing your introductions and, uh, and the results and all that. And thank you for the time. Really appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Uh, stay warm and healthy down in the South Florida land. It's freezing here in New York, but it'll get better. <laughs> stay safe, man. Stay safe. All right. Take care, guys. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to, uh, to our little uh, uh, impromptu podcast here. Boxing preview for tomorrow night, Golovkin versus Jacobs. I got Golovkin winning. I think Golovkin's going to win this thing late, though. I got a feeling like he is going to uh, he'll pull out a TKO, but I think it's going to be super, super late in this fight. Maybe like 10th round I'll go with. Um, if, it, if it's earlier than that, I'm going to be very, very impressed with Triple G. Uh, but I also think if he does do it super early, I do think that's going to put the, the Canelo fight on the back burner. I just do. I think that's that's the ramifications of it. Um, you know, so... Looking forward to it. Everybody enjoy the fights tomorrow night. We'll have a full recap for you Sunday morning at 10 a.m., 7.90 the ticket. Uh, Theticketmiami.com is where you stream. Get the 7.90 the ticket app and check us out there. And everybody enjoy their night, man, Everybody, or enjoy the rest of your day because I'm putting this out pretty late. So uh, those who are listening, I'm sure, are going to enjoy uh, their day and, and uh, preview themselves into watching the fights. So, uh, yeah. That's it, man. This is this is Tobin live from the living room, live from uh, live from my couch. This was comfortable, fantastic. I wish I could do every show here. I love you guys, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.